0: Tato tato i ingara i ngā rā o te mamai, o te tauwhainga. Tātou tātou i roto i ngā o te o te In war
1: we were together, in peace let us be together again. And that was the welcome that was put in the Gisman Times and uh, plastered all over the place here in Gisborne to ensure that the um, people who came to the uh, hui were, were was everybody, yeah. So it was a welcome to everybody to participate.
0: Earlier this month, a reenactment of the return of the Pioneer Battalion to the Te Tairawhiti region was staged at Te Poho Orawari Marae in the township of Gisborne. Dr. Monty Suter's book *Fietiki Fiti Fiti E* details the return of those soldiers after being away from home for five years.
1: *Fietiki Fiti Fiti e, is the recruitment um, phrase. An old Maori phrase that was used in 1914 to encourage young men to volunteer for the Te Haukau Tuarua. Uh, it was actually iwi, Hui Whiti Whiti calling to the people, put on your war belt. That's what Whitiiki meant in those days. Put on your war belt. You get ready for war. Whiti, rise up. Whiti air, rise up, rise up, up Maori people.
0: Coming up, Tiahika was there. We talk with Dr. Monty suter Military Advisor Raina Youngkei, Komatua Albie Gibson and Military Historian Peter Connor to get a sense of hui aroha and the occasion to mark 100 years. E o te, motu, koe te, o te kōrero, E a This is Tiahika on RNZ. with Justin Murray, aho. Ngāti Oneone at the Puho Marae in Gisborne hosted the event where young men from nearby schools, training academies and colleges wore replica Pioneer Battalion uniforms. They are the Honour Guard. 100 of these men represented 100 years since hui aroha. The Pioneer Battalion was the labour force who were tasked with digging trenches, building roads and any logistical work. Iwi, Hapu, and Fano set about organising the large scale welcome back event known as Hui Aroha. Earlier this month, the reenactment, a once in a lifetime event to occur in central Gisborne, was organised with the help of Peter Jackson's Wingnut Productions. I was at the Marae on the eve of the 100 Honour Guard parade and sat down with Dr. Monty Suter. <laughs>
1: The, this Hui Aroha had been planned in 1918 for the war ended, and it was uh, about a fundraiser for Māori soldiers returning from the war. So initially, it was going, that's exactly what they were going to do, was r- bring um, tribes together to collect money for our returning soldiers, and they were also going to um, unveil a memorial to Wipere. So that was back in mid 1918 and then the war ended while they were doing all the planning for it and then they decided to uh, turn it into a welcome home as well for many months uh, Gisborne had been the um, place that they were to bring the pioneers to uh, the Westmoreland, the ship that brought them home, it was a very big ship it was carrying a, at least a thousand men from the pioneer battalion plus from uh, soldiers who were returning from other units And uh, the argument was, why is it going to Gisborne um, when. He's
0: a much bigger.
1: Yeah, the men from the north, from other areas. More uh,
0: central in terms of where all the men Yes, more central. A bigger port
1: to get them in. Mm. Uh, And so another smaller ship was put on to bring the eastern seaboard guys here.
0: And it was 300 men? Uh,
1: It's about 290.
0: All from Titaira, if Or No, no, they are from
1: Tufare yeah. across the that Upper, right through to uh, Ngai Tūhoe, um the eastern Bay of Plenty, Ufana Upanui, Ngaitai, Ngati Pro, the Turanga tribes, even Tarawa and Ngati were coming, but because they had to go past, that ship was going right past um, uh, the Bay of Plenty. Yeah. Some of them decided. Oh no, it's quicker for us to go straight home. You, you think about it, if you've been away five years, you just want to get home.
0: Exactly. And and so you don't muck they pulled out with... at the last
1: minute, and and uh, some of their people were waiting for them here in Gisborne, thinking they were coming to Gisborne, and, but they got off in Rotorua uh, they got off in uh, oh, sorry. Sh- oh, sorry. So they got on a train instead oh. and went straight directly to Rotorua rather than get on the ship and go past Rotorua Makes sense. Yeah.
0: Kind of makes sense from a logistics point yeah. of view. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, it's actually a- April the eighth. Oh, okay. We're one year and two months past. Um, But we're still inside the end of the First World War centenary that the government set up in 2013. It ends this month. So we wanted to make sure to get it all done then. Uh, And the big thing about it is the population in Gisborne in those days was 8,000 people. It's over 30,000 now. And it doubled for the occasion. So... um, that many people came to came to Gisborne. And you think about it in those days, we didn't have sealed roads, transport was a lot slower, lots of them had to come by boats to yeah. bring that amount of people there. It was a big thing.
0: How was everybody fed?
1: Uh, well, the hui aroha was actually held out at the Gisborne Racecourse, course, course, and they set up, um, uh, it was a tented camp, uh, huge um, uh, marquees were erected, and... Uh, the different tribes from around here came in and they were allocated, you know, the tents to look after for feeding. Uh, And, um, I mean, I saw in the Gisborne Times for that period the lists of food that was brought in from farms and that to just feed people. And uh, the ablutions they had to put in at the race, course, you know, just flat land and you had to create a a camp that could cater for thousands. It ran for a week, the Hui Aroha. The big day was the 8th of April, the 9th, they unveiled the Wipere Memorial. Now, he was the um, Member of Parliament for this area in the, uh, at the turn of the century. But in 1914, he had retired. He was in the Legislative Council, the Upper House, and he was strongly associated with the recruitment of men for the first uh, contingent of Māoris, Te too. He gave that name to them. Uh, there was him, Sir James Carroll was the... Member of Parliament for Gisborne, uh, the only Māori in a, uh, a parker seat. Mm. And then you had Apirana Ngata holding the Eastern Māori seat. So those three together with Sir James Carroll's wife, Lady Carroll, were the big pushers behind recruitment and the Hui Aroha. Because he died in 1915, December 1915, um, Wipere. Eh? They uh, wanted the soldiers, when they get home, to unveil that memorial. That was the most appropriate thing they felt since he sent them to war. Yeah,
0: they came back and he was no longer here. He was no longer here, and, and
1: so they, they unveiled that memorial. And we're going to march to that memorial and do a rededication of it a hundred years later.
0: So, feitiki fiti fiti year um, encapsulates all this the story.
1: Feitiki fiti, fiti year is the recruitment um, phrase, an old Maori phrase that was used in 1914. To encourage young men to volunteer for the Tehogafita too. Fitiki means uh, it was actually itwi, fitiki, fiti fiti, e, calling to the people, put on your war belt. That's what Fitiki meant in those days. Put on your war belt, you get ready for war. Fiti, rise up, fiti, fiti, e, rise up, rise up, Māori people. And uh, they called on this, pulled it from a haka from the old days that people in 1914 would have recognized it's a call to war and that's why it was put on the the uh, cover of, of the book that I've done uh, in memory of that recruiting um, campaign that happened in 1914. This is a second launch for Gisborne because a lot of the information came from families around here. Oh, of course. Uh, and... And we wanted to mark the hui aroha, uh, the centenary, so it's not forgotten as to what they were trying to do. They raised $3 million at the hui aroha, the equivalent of $3 million in that week. Um, that they had that hui aroha 100 years ago.
0: Was it $100,000 back then? How much? 100? It was about $25,000. Whoa, 25000 that's, that's what it is
1: today. So we didn't want that to be forgotten, um, what they what they were doing back then. Um, and it's significant. It's the a centenary from the occasion. So, yeah, the you know the book has been launched. It's the second launch, the Minister of Defence will do it. But it's kind of secondary to our whole wanting to commemorate that hui aroha.
0: So your book also talks about the the other side of the coin in terms of iwi who encouraged um, their sons not to um, volunteer their services because we're talking 50 years after the New Zealand land wars, 1860s, fast forward to 1914. Um, what kind of stories did you come across in terms of your research about iwi saying, well oh, hang on, we've just fought against the imperialists and now they want us to go over...
1: Yes, well, the book does convey everybody's story. Mm. It is the Māori story and there were um, iwi who were reluctant and uh, Taranaki and Waikato particularly. And as you say, 50 years since the New Zealand wars, um, Parihaku was in the 1880s. Um, So, you know, that's... I mean, I think of things that happened that, you know, 30 years ago uh, and they... um, still registered in the mind so you can imagine these young men their parents telling them you know this is not our war and uh and if you've had all your land taken from you and you know there would be been stories and families of rape and pillage um that happened in those peri- in that period you can't blame them for um not wanting to go and and some did uh despite what their tibun said like young guys today i guess would they'd put their hand up um no matter what uh, people said to them, and so there were a handful in Waikato and Taranaki who were like that, who were going uh, for their own reasons, but the majority listened to the word of their their kaumātua, their pakeke, and um, in those days, you know what uh, what your elders said counted, and you didn't quite you didn't go against it in those days. Uh, so we've recorded that story, and you know. Um, the treatment meted out to some of those people who were conscripted, because they brought conscription in uh, in 1917, but it, mm. they actually called men into camp in 1918, and some of them were arrested and imprisoned, uh, and you know they were getting it thrown at them from all quarters, not just Pakeha Maori as well. You, you know some tribes who had lost a lot of men were pointing the finger at other iwi and saying, "Hey, look, we're carrying your, the weight of." The burden that you should be carrying, and our sons are dying for it. So, you know, all that sort of pressure yes. on them. You got to give them credit for those who stuck to their guns and were prepared to go to prison rather than, um, as you say, fight a war that they felt wasn't theirs.
0: Of course, we're here at the Port the young men who have come from all uh, schools around this particular area, and as far as Teote, uh, as I understand, yes, yes. so each young man represents each year a hundred years since uh, since the return. How did you get, uh, well, Sue Peter Jackson and Wing Nut Nut Film Productions involved?
1: Well, listen, we did a parade back in 2014, uh, the 60 we called it, uh, and we wanted to recreate the march out of the first 60 volunteers from the Gisborne East Coast area. And uh, so we did that in 2014, and Sue Peter Jackson was on a um, government-appointed board for World War One commemorations that I was on. And I saw uh, on one occasion that some boys dressed in World War One uniforms that he had supplied, and I asked him, well, what's the chances of us borrowing uh, two or three uniforms? And, and then I went back to him. He said he, he'd support that and asked, what about 60? And uh, he, he, he supplied 60 uniforms of the Māori contingent, uh, and he's a stickler for... Um, Dressing guys the way, exactly the way they were back in those days. Well, this time, um, it was about two months ago, I, uh, knowing the book launch was coming up, I popped into uh, my mate who's ex army, who trained those 60, Rainer Yonke, and, and told him that this book launch was on and it would be good if maybe we get about 18 guys dressed in World War I uniforms and if he could train them, we can have them here for the parade. It was his idea when he realised it was a centenary that we were commemorating to have a hundred guys. And he told me that's what the army would do normally is uh, they'd mark a centenary by a hundred-man honour guard. Of course, I believed him. <laughs> and uh, he said, if you can get a hundred uniforms from Sir Peter Jackson, we'll train a hundred guys uh, for you. Two months ago, we thought, well, that's a big dream, but we you know, he's a big thinker, I'm a big thinker. When I told Sir Peter Jackson uh, about the idea... He's a big, he's a big thinker too. Uh, he said, well, there's "Yep." Big
0: thinkers in the yeah, ring.
1: <laughs> if, if we can get those guys, we'll get you the uniforms. And you know, they had to make a lot of them. Uh, they had to make a hundred badges, mighty pioneer badges. Uh, and um, you know, all ups to them for doing that. And you know, here we are today. It's it's happening.
0: How long did it take you to do the book? Um, Uh, Five years. Five years?
1: Five years. years. I started in 2014. How long
0: after the Price of Citizenship did you start on
1: time? Price of Citizenship, uh, Nga Tamato, was um, published in 2008, and then a Māori version was done about five years later. Uh, And then after that I started this in, I think, 2013 maybe, the Māori version came out. Uh, while that wasn't me, I was involved with the translators. So 2014, I started on this one. Uh, I had to go all over all over the place, you know, overseas to battlefields and things like that, to the islands where these, you know, a lot of people don't know, the pioneers weren't just Māori, they had an, a component of Pākehā and Pacifica. And we're really wrapped that the guys marching today, we have a handful of Pākehā and Pacifica as well to reflect that um, contribution.
0: Tēnā Dr. Monty Suter. The 100-man honour guard wore replica uniforms of the Pioneer Battalion, from the socks to the shoes and the insignia. Wingnut Productions military historian Peter Connor explains the work behind the scenes.
2: We want everyone to look like they've just stepped out of 1919 uh, as a soldier, Uh, so we've uh, supplied a complete uniform basically, so uh, pants, tunic, uh, a webbing set which soldiers wore to have their fighting equipment in, uh, rifles, uh, boots uh, and uh, the hats, the lemon squeezer hat which is uh, kind of the New Zealand kind of a bit of an icon now these days and also uh, what is known as a set of putties to wind around the legs and um, yeah, restrict the blood flow to the feet, basically. Wow. <laughs> it's not their intention, but that's kind of what happens. <laughs>
0: so the, the only modern-day type clothing that these men will be wearing is their undergarments, the rest is...?
2: Yeah, yeah, we've we've recommended to, to the guys that they uh, put on a nice cotton T-shirt underneath um, because most of them are fine because all the, the garments are wool. Um, yes. and quite a coarse wool so they're finding it very very scratchy because um, if their, their skins n- totally not used to it um, so yeah there'll be a, yes. there'll be a t-shirt and other undergarments hopefully I'm really hoping <laughs> 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 and yeah and but uh, otherwise yeah it'll be totally first world war um, replica uh, A gear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, how did you come about all this? Has this been made, especially? How, how, where did you access these, this um, gear? Ah,
2: so Peter's uh, uh, had a stock of this. for a little while now, um, it has been used quite extensively over the last few years for our uh, commemorative events. So, in 2014, for example, there was a, a similar parade here in Gisborne for the opening of the Sea Company House. So, uh, there was 60 60 guys on that occasion, and uh, yeah, and of course the Defence Force over the over the last few years has done True. a lot of ceremony, and they've borrowed uh, small amounts at times as yes. well. So,
0: is it a heavy jacket? To wear, how, how? What's the kind of the general weight?
2: Uh, yeah, the weight starts to get up, you know, because they're good. These good old-fashioned boots, for example, they're hobnail boots, so not a definitely not a modern boot. Um,
0: hobnail,
2: what's that? Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the 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 sole of the of the boot is, is leather, and then to get some some grip on the ground, they've got nails. Embedded in the bottom for grip um, So the, the weaving equipment I, I weighed a set At one point because we were just working out yep. these things And it came in at around 5 kilograms, Which is, for a soldier uh, Back in the day would be quite light But you know, for for these these young guys In particular it'll be a, An unusual experience um, The rifle themselves is about 4 kilograms.
0: Badges and insignia um, Did we have the, the fern on
2: there? Uh, not the fern uh, In the these kind of uh, two two pieces of distinctive insignia are uh, on the lemon squeezer hat. There is a um, a series of uh, uh, what's called a puggery, which um, sits around the base. Of the crown, it's um,
0: blue and red.
2: Um, in oh. this case, it is khaki and red, khaki um, and, red. and that's the uh, colours of the, the infantry and the pioneers. The pioneers come under the infantry corps, and there's also the Murray um, Pioneer Battalion badge uh, on the collar and on the hat as well. So, um, which is just distinctive to that that unit.
0: Kia ora, Wingnut Productions military historian Peter Connor. Military advisor Raina Youngke was tasked with overseeing the weapons used as part of the ceremony. So you've got a background in, in the in the forces?
3: Yeah, that's right. I've got uh, 22 years of military experience in there. Um, but I do also call upon the um, experience of my other colleagues that are uh, serving also, and also ex-military uh, personnel that I uh, take the advice to.
0: Now, in the uh, welcome, or just after the poor Hitty, you gave a bit of a spiel about the weapons that the volunteers or the young men will be holding. Can you explain a bit more about that?
3: Yeah, it's, it's a um, to me, it's a very precious item. Uh, the weapons uh, they they were used in the World War One era, and in order to to be conversant with the weapon, you've got to respect the weapon. So uh, we teach a, a lot about respecting by the use of the weapon. Mm.
0: 1919, what were they using at the time?
3: Yeah, uh, lee 303s, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: You said that everybody must be listening to you, must have a clear, clear th- thoughts.
3: It's about, uh, especially we're at the uh, top end of our preparation now, and it's about just getting our mind right, uh, focusing on what we need to do, and putting aside any other... Um, any other obstacles that we may be thinking of and you know, just focusing on what we what we need to do, our job.
0: Kia ora, Reina
2: Youngkei.
0: Albie Gibson recalls the opening of C Company Memorial House five years ago and the 60-man honour guard held to mark the occasion. Gibson says this occasion, with the 100 men honour guard, fits in well with the history of the marae, as he explains...
4: I married into this family about 40-plus uh, years ago. Yeah, I'm originally born and bred on the coast back in Ngātipurau, Um but I married my wife here. We got married here, and ever since then, um, obviously, as you do, you get bought in and you start peeling a few spuds at the back, and then eventually your role sort of moves up the line, and I'm not, I never really uh, wanted to graduate towards the role I have now, um, but... Um, Hey, um, around a lot of pai, pai around the country, a lot of our pakeki are passing or unwell. So um, our, our uncle who normally sits there, he's 90, and he's been unwell. So I've um, stepped in to try and do as best I can to sit on the pie, and to welcome all our visitors that arrive here.
0: This marae has quite the history. It's, this is the third version of Te Pohorawiri, having moved some metres from down the road, um, esteemed guests over the last 19, 90 years. 90 yeah, years. Yeah. You talked about kings, queens, you talked about um, the springbok. Tour with the protesters outside and the Fano in here giving the the poor hitty. So what was some of the memories that kind of come back to you about some of those events?
4: Yeah I think um, you know the 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 main aspect of our our, our job is to welcome our visitors. And that's the uppermost thing that we've had in our minds right from the very beginning. And I can remember my father-in-law really hammering that message home to us uh, as to, um, we're not interested in your politics when you come here. We're not interested in who you might be married to. We are interested in who you're connected to because we do love to connect with our manuhiri. and, And it's incumbent on us to welcome people that um, we can do that in a real positive way that makes things a lot more warmer.
0: In front of us, I'm looking at wrecks of clothing um, reminiscent of what the soldiers
4: wore. a very special occasion um, for us, particularly so because we have such a strong affinity to our um, our soldiers. Um, I mentioned in my corridor with these young men here that um, we have upheld the ANZAC Day celebrations for nearly 50 years when I came, and it was well before that. So um, when we have the opportunity, you know, we have uh, put those men and those women that have been away and fought on our behalf, as treated them as kings and queens when we've had that Anzac Day ceremony, and they've been um, treated with the most succulent and sweetest kai we could find to actually help them uh, remember the occasion, eh? because we do, we certainly do. And and yes, when you look at these uh, soldiers here, um, this will be a once. you know. This will not happen again. And um, I remember the opening of the Sea Company Whare. Uh, we had 60 boys that uh, were reminiscent of oh, those 60 this that left. Whiti museum. Yes, the museum, Sea uh, Company House, and 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 I had a, a Mokopuna and a, and a son in that group. And I must say. Um, we felt it was an honour for them to be able to participate in that, and we, sat, we stood down on the, um, on the parking area down where the courts are that particular day. It was a beautiful morning, and then just before they arrived, because they were marching from down the road, um, the wind swirled up and, and it got really windy, and it was quite an eerie uh, situation. We heard the sound of the army boots on the road on the Tar Seal, and that just stopped everybody in their tracks. and when they marched onto the court down here and they, did a, they marched around the outside of the court there was about 500 people down there who we were doing nothing but crying because they could see the face of these young men 15 and 16 year olds and it was like we were taken back in time You know, so the occasion was special, like today, another special occasion, a hundred years since these um, great men have come home from, from that war.
0: Hui Aroha. Hui
4: Aroha, yes, and it's a very uh, reminiscent of what happened back then in 1919, and um, so we certainly are privileged to have this group of young men um, react uh, that whole uh, entire special occasion for us.
0: So Te Pohoa o um, is, you you talked about it being this um, focal point, Mm. and I mean Mm. we're only literally minutes away from downtown Gisborne. I see you've got photos, and Pene pene Taiapaka of this house. Yes. There's a hundred and something, seven? A
4: hundred and seven tukutuku panels here.
0: And how many can it sleep? Looks like about a hundred.
4: Well, actually, maybe more. I think we've had up to 400, I think we've had close to that um, sleep here at Fantastic. one occasion, but as you mentioned you know uh, Te Pohorawiri is the centre point, um, and I, see, I mentioned where it sits strategically but I also mentioned it sort of sits on the borderline of Ngati Pro and Turanga Kiwa. although we as Ngati Onui don't see that as a borderline, but for the, for the government's um, whole process around claims and tribunal claims, there and needed boundaries. to be a boundary line um, so that was used, but we don't see it that way uh, when we're here, we're tairafati. we we're as one
0: it's a, it's a rohe on itself.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. was named that way when our Horoto Waka arrived right. with our ancestor, our tipuna, Kiwa and Pāua. Hey, So Kiwa came here a little earlier than Power. They had a damaged waka over at Ohiwa. So Kiwa limped along the coastline, arrived here. Power had gone inland to look for some timbers to repair the waka and he stood here in the bay Obviously, in the land area that Kiwan waited, so a Kiwa, the long-standing place of Kiwa.
0: Then, Albie Gibson, Komatuwa, from Te Poho o Marae in Gisborne. We also heard from Peter Connor, military historian with Wingnut Film Productions. Raina Youngkay. Military Advisor and Academic and Historian Dr. Monty Suter. He mihi nui tēne kia koto katoa, me o koutou mahi rangatira, hei whakamanahia i ngā hoia o pakanga o te ao. Kua ea tātou nei hōtaka mō tēnei wiki, that's the show, for another week. Engari, next week, hei tērā wiki, I'm back in Gisborne with psychiatrist Diane Kopua. That's next Sunday here on RNZ. Kote manako ia en ho paiana e koutou, hoki mai wiki. maori tsu, maori ora.